Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospitals, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters. It is an open line show today. Your questions for your host, Dr. David Hilden. Good morning. Good morning, Mm -hmm. Denny. Chilly morning. It is a little chilly out here. It's like a zillion below. I wonder if uh, you and your colleagues at the hospital will be seeing some frostbite. Yeah, we probably will. I would imagine we will. It's been kind of a rough year for that. It really has been. Yeah, it really has been. Especially in January. January was a lot colder here. And as uh, people from the upper Midwest know, um, we had that polar vortex. Although my daughter, who lives in Los Angeles, is starting to refer to what they're seeing in L.A. as the polar vortex because it didn't get out of the 60s or something. In, oh, in the month tough. of February. Yeah, that's really tough. It's tough sledding down yeah. there in Southern California when, yeah. when, you know, it's 50 degrees and you're calling it the polar vortex. Anyway, we are seeing some frostbite, but what we're seeing even more lately is um, injuries from people falling oh, that's um, true. and shoveling snow and, and just falling on the ice because there's that little layer of ice underneath the snow. So we're really recommending to people that just don't trust anything that you can't see the actual dry concrete, which is pretty much everywhere. Be really careful when you're walking because the falls, you the wrist fractures. There's um, when you put your that's a typical place. Where yeah, you, you can break your wrist simply by landing on the concrete, and you know you put your hand out to, to and you break your wrist. But that's that's a relatively minor injury. But we're, we're seeing hips and knees and all kinds Ooh, of other things, and, and and hitting your head. So be be careful. A lot of folks who walk, and uh, I think I've got a pair somewhere, have these. Uh, there's something like cleats that you can put on. Uh, for, for traction. Yeah, I've seen people have um, special shoes, have little icy cleats. I've even seen a guy who literally just screws in these little studs to the bottom of your big boots, and that provides traction. Yeah, That's actually a good idea. I should say. Uh, we're, we're, this is an open line show today. If you have any kind of a general health question for Dr. Hilton, now's your chance. Call it in or text it in, 651 is the number. We've cleared the line, so use them if you like, or send Dr. Hilden your text, 81807. What about, uh, what about the flu? Are you seeing... Uh, yeah, it's been a reasonable... Uh, you don't hear much about story. it. Yeah, it's been a reasonably good year. Now, that's a funny way to put it. But last year was like the worst year in 40 years for flu. And this year's been somewhat better. The vaccine's reasonably effective. Uh, and, you know, it's just hard to predict what it's going to be like year after year. Last year, some 80,000 people died of influenza. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah, and it was huge. It was the worst one in some decades. But it's a little bit better. It is still widespread, though. It's just not to those big numbers. And if you have influenza, uh, 
it doesn't matter what the statistics show about what everybody else has, because if you have it, you're miserable. Um, and so uh, it's it's uh, pretty late now in the season, so hopefully we'll be we'll be seeing it uh, wane a little bit. Uh, the 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 number of cases of influenza, and it, we'll still see a couple into April and even into May. But the, I think we're on the we're on the downswing for flu. Reminds me about. People, it's probably the number one thing I get asked is, should I get the flu shot? And the, the answer is yes. You should get all your vaccines. I have um, relatively little tolerance for anti-vaccination campaigns. I believe that's one of the world's biggest public health enemies is anti-vaccination campaigns. But influenza um, is uh, one that you have to get every year. And the vaccines we have for influenza are pretty – they could be better. Let's just say that. I don't want to pretend that they're the greatest. They're only 50% effective in any given year. They're based on really old technology. We need something better. So that needs to be some public funding, some research, some studies, some development of better vaccines so that one day we won't have to um, get them every year. We'll just get one vaccine. It'll be something you can have for lifelong protection. It'll be more effective, all that kind of things. But it's the best we have right now. All right. Should we start off with a text message? Yeah, I'm going to start uh, kind of a, a good a good question to start the the conversation this morning. This is from a texter that was uh, on the lines when I came in. It said the difference. But what's the difference between an annual physical and an annual wellness checkup? Does one replace the other? Does a healthy 86 year old need both? So those terms are essentially synonymous. So uh, first of all, the word annual is not a good word because some people don't need an annual physical. If you are 25 years old and healthy, it is likely that you don't need one every year. You can go in when you're sick, of course, and then every few years, every five years or so, go in to get some some basic blood tests done and the like. But if you're 25 years old and healthy, it's not the most important thing. But if you're 50 years old or if you're 60, it's probably a very good idea to get an annual exam. So that's the first thing is that an annual is not the greatest term. Um, the other is, um, for the texter, those are the same things. So when we hear, we use words interchangeably like wellness exam, preventive health care exam, physical exam. We even use health care maintenance exam, which kind of sounds like you're getting your car serviced. <laughs> They're all the same. Basically what they are is to look into your general state of health in the absence of any acute illness. So it's not going to the doctor that you're sick. You're just going for your general health. And when you're getting older, like this 86-year-old texter, the things that we need to be testing at 86 are far fewer. In fact, we don't need to get any blood tests. We don't need to get any colonoscopy screening. None of that needs to be done when you're 86. But it's still a good idea to go in for a few things. You should go in to have your blood pressure checked. You should go in to have a doctor um, just take an update to your history to see if you have any symptoms that might be um, subtle of uh, impending uh, medical problems. And the only way to get at that is to take 15, 20 minutes and talk about it with your doctor. So I do think it's a good idea to have uh, an exam to this 86-year-old texter. I would just change your expectations of what they need to do. Blood tests, for instance, would not be necessary like they would be if you were 20 years younger. So, So I do recommend it. Medicare pays for one when you first go onto Medicare. They have the Welcome to Medicare exam. That is a basically a wellness or a physical exam. But uh, all other insurance companies pay for it, but um, you would want to check with your insurance. Medicare is a little bit touchy about that, those kinds of things. 
You know, Medicare was designed to be health care for when you get sick. That's what it was designed to be. It was never intended to include things like like preventive health care exams when it was uh, developed in the 60s. But it does include some limited wellness types things. So hope All that right. helped a little bit. 651-989-9226. Let's go to the phones, doctor. Uh, Marilyn is calling in from Edina. Marilyn, we're listening. Yes, good morning. Um, I'm 86 also, and when I get up in the morning, the first thing that happens to the back of my knees where those muscles are, I get cramps, and I can barely stretch out my legs. And um, and so I'm just wondering uh, what what's going on with my muscles. When I finally get up and start walking, everything is fine, but these cramps in the back of my legs... I don't know if I should be, be taking a medication of some sort. Could you tell me about that? Yeah, Marilyn, those are great questions. Before you leave the phone lines, is it in the muscles of those of your calf, or is it directly behind the knee? It's it's directly behind the knee. Those muscles directly behind the knee that seems so tight. Yeah. Um. It. And it's always in the morning. You say you wake yes. up with it. Yeah. Yes. So it's probably what's happening, Marilyn, and I'm going to use the word probably because it could be a few things. Um, the Those tendons and the muscles could be the end point of your hamstrings, which are your thigh muscles, which are those two bands that go right behind the knee down into your calf. They're probably tightening up. They're just getting really tight, and so they need to loosen up and stiffen up. Uh, it could be the calf muscles themselves, but I think it's more likely the tendons from your hamstrings that are back there. And th- and those all the time get stiff for people and need to be loosened up and the like. I tend to think it's less of a cramping than more of the – because the tendons don't really cramp so much. More just of a, a, a loss of the elasticity of those. The things I would do for those um, is stretching – I would stretch before bed. I would stretch when immediately upon waking up. I would do gentle exercises in the morning to loosen up. That's the first thing I would do. And in order to do that, I strongly recommend a physical therapist. I would go see a physical therapist to see if, A, this is what's going on, and B, to give you some ideas for stretching. That's the first thing I would do. It could be something due to a nutritional a new, a deficiency of, say, iron, um, iron deficiency and anemia can lead to cramping in your legs. It can lead to other or other electrolyte problems can lead to cramping. So you might want to go see your regular doctor and just get some basic blood tests to see if your calcium, magnesium, your potassium, and your iron are okay because they could also lead to a cramping sensation. And then finally, it could be your joint itself. There could be some fluid in the knees that's just kind of appearing in the back side of it. So that's another thing that maybe somebody could look at with some x-rays. So I think most likely I would see a physical therapist. Secondly, get some blood tests from your primary doctor. And third, if none of those pan out, I would maybe look at some x-rays of your knees to make sure that the joints are okay and it's not just fluid. I don't think a medication... Um, is appropriate right now because I don't know what we'd be treating. So I wouldn't recommend any medications with the exception of maybe some Tylenol. That's that's always okay, but I want to be honest. I don't think that's going to fix your problem. Yeah. Okay, those, those are some ideas. They're great questions, Marilyn. Thanks, Marilyn. Dr. Hillen, we need to take a break. We'll come back and we'll uh, take a look at the text messages as well. 651-989-9226 if you want to call in your uh, general health question. Or send a text, 81807. I can tell you we're hoping to hit a high near one above. Right now, it's not only 12 below zero, 
The wind chill has hit 30 below. We'll be right back. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. What does that mean? Your uh, phone calls and your text messages uh, driving the show, your general health questions. We're not talking about any particular topic today. Uh, 651-989-9226. I know we promised our texters we'd get to them. Uh, that number is 81807. All right, let's hit it on a couple of these text messages. Here's a, here's one about vitamin D. It says, what is the normal level for vitamin D? Mine was a 17. What are some reasons why it should be um, low other than living in Minnesota? Should everyone that lives in Minnesota take vitamin D? Can you get too much? And how would you know? The doctor says I should take 2,000 units a day. Um, so that's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack in that question. Um, first of all, the what is low vitamin D is up for some debate. There's no specific amount. It's just a continuous number. And so there's not like a single number that is now it's low. And if it's better than this, now it's normal. Um, 17 would be low by almost anyone's standards. Many um, labs use somewhere in that 20 to 40 range as being too low and that you'd want it over 40 or 50. So that's, but th- that varies. Um, and we, almost everybody in Minnesota has a low vitamin D because the primary source of it is the sun. And although we do actually get sunlight in January and February, and even yesterday I was out on a beautiful winter day, it was really sunny. But do you know how much of my skin was exposed? Almost none. Sure. So even when we're outside on a beautiful sunny day, your skin's not exposed, so it doesn't matter. You need just about 20 minutes of sunlight on your arms and face a few times a week, and that's enough vitamin D. And believe it or not, we don't get that in Minnesota. So people in northern climates often are low in vitamin D. The recommendations of what to take are also not entirely known. Uh, It is unlikely that you'll get too much. That is one thing. It is possible to get too much vitamin D, but unlikely. So the current recommendations is that if you're low in having symptoms, that maybe taking 1 to 2,000 a day is a good idea. So for this texter, that's probably a good idea, and then recheck it in a few months. Your doctor's saying take 2,000 a day. That's probably a good idea. The, the normal daily intake requirements, which are also not known to be for sure, are somewhere between four and 800 a day. So for normal, just not low people, taking a supplement of vitamin D of 400 or 800 a day is probably a decent idea. We no longer routinely check vitamin D because it's just always low, and it's not clear what we should do about it. So that's what I recommend people. If you're living in one of the northern climates like us, yeah, maybe take a supplement of 800 a day or else eat a lot of yogurt and dairy. If you're not a, if you're not a dairy eater, then, uh, then the supplement's an even better idea. It's a good idea if you are an older adult, particularly if you're an older adult woman or a very slender man, to consider taking calcium as well because the two of them go hand in hand for well, health. They do. They do go hand in hand. Um, vitamin, the important substance isn't vitamin D. It's calcium. You know, that's what makes your bones strong. But vitamin D is a substance that helps your body regulate calcium, both in your intestines and in your kidneys. So if you don't have enough vitamin D, your body doesn't regulate calcium right, and your bones get weaker. So the two go hand in hand. So I often tell people, especially um, older adults, to take a calcium and a vitamin D supplement. And I'm not a huge supplement person. I don't recommend them for hardly anything. But there's a few things that it's probably a decent idea. This is one of them. Vitamin D and calcium are probably a good idea. Okay, All should right. I go to uh, Let's time do for another? another one? Sure. All right. 
Oh, here's another one that says, I went to the store and can't, couldn't find vitamin D mixed with calcium. Does it need to be mixed with calcium in order to work effectively? Um, thanks. Love the show. Well, thank you for that, Texter. Um, you'd probably need to buy the vitamin D and calcium separately. There are some prescriptions that it might come uh, together. But um, in the store, you might have to buy them separate. Here's a text that says, I recently had a case of what I described as shingles, severe pain on my left side radiating around to my back on my left side, as well as a severe burning on the front of my stomach. No sign of the rash, however, very specific as to the pain is. And it remains there today. Can shingles present without a rash? Yes, you can have this, the shingles pain and the nerve pain of shingles without the typical rash. Although in the vast majority of cases, that rash does eventually come and it looks like a very localized form of chickenpox. Little vesicles and crusty little red dots, but only on a specific part of your body that rarely crosses the midline. That's what's important. It'll go around front to back, but it'll be left side or right side, and it does not cross over the midline. But your body maybe just took care of it, and you had just a, uh, just the nerve damage, which usually precedes the rash. You have like a burning sensation, and that can precede any rash. Or there's just a little sunburn, kind of light reddish rash, and maybe that's all you got. That's quite possible. And then your body took care of it, and that was that. So to this texture, yes, that could have been shingles. Uh, that, that brings up the, the, the what's who cares about shingles. Well, shingles can hurt, and that's a bummer, for a few weeks. It usually lasts a couple, three weeks. But the problem is in 10% of the patients, that pain that you have persists. It's called post-herpetic neuralgia, P-N-H, or P-H-N. And that's kind of the bummer with shingles. So we do recommend the shingle shot for people over age 50. Even if you've had shingles in the past, you can get the shot to try to prevent or reduce the risk of a future. Okay. Do I have time for another one? Yeah, let's do another one. All right. Here's, um, let's see. Um, how, how effective is acupuncture for pain reduction? For years, I have constant muscle pain in my thighs and calves and don't really want to take a medication like Cymbalta. Uh, I have... Um, Acupuncture is something I do recommend to people. Uh, I don't know how it works, but I've come to the conclusion that just because I don't know how it works doesn't mean it doesn't. (laughs) They've been using it for thousands of years in other parts of the world, and they're not idiots. There must be a reason. And um, so if you, I do recommend it, and yes, it can be effective for pain control. Um, Like any intervention, it doesn't help for everybody. Um, Nothing's perfect. But uh, there is something about the um, about acupuncture that is effective, and so and it, the other thing that I should say about it is that it's safe. I can't think of a downside to it. There's almost it's one of the safest things you could do. So I would go to a trained professional. I would suggest you go to one at Hennepin where I work. We have a, a bunch of them. We have great acupuncturists and at a variety of locations at our downtown clinic and out in Golden Valley. So I would see an acupuncturist for your muscle or calf pain. It, it's, um, I've had people get results with migraine headaches, menopausal pain. I have had um, patients um, find relief with acupuncture, musculoskeletal pain issues, some neuropathies people have gotten some results with. So, yes, I would try it. Yes, it's safe. And I would try one of ours at Hennepin. To go to hennepinhealthcare.org and look them up, and that's where you can make an appointment with an acupuncturist. And then the clinics are just about everywhere. They're all over the place, yeah. Um, uh, in the western metro. We're not over in, um, like in the Wisconsin border side right. of the metro area, but we're downtown and in the southern suburbs, northern suburbs, western suburbs. Hennepinhealthcare.org is how you get in to see 
any of our physicians, including the acupuncturist. We've had some on the show here. Yeah. My own wife goes to one of the acupuncturists. And, and so it's a, I'm, a, I'm fascinated by it. It's something about the meridian lines in your body and um, disrupting the energy fields. And, and uh, it doesn't hurt. You just lie there still. A lot of people say it's calming. And um, you do need generally repeated sessions. But uh, I think it's fascinating, and, and I do recommend at least giving it a try. Um, yeah. Medications can be helpful, but this might be even just as helpful, if not more. We'll take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go. It's an open line show. Your phone calls and text messages the rest of the way. It's 12 below zero in the Twin Cities. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. That means you drive the show by phone calls and text messages, 651-989-9226. The text line is 81807. As you can see, Dr. Hilden, we have a bunch of both. Indeed we do. We have good listener interest today. These are great questions. Uh, Sometimes I don't know if I tell you all that when you text these in. Almost every question you, that listeners send in are legit. These are great questions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard for me to answer them either thoroughly or I don't know all of the information. Or we but, get inundated yeah, with Yeah, but there's so yeah. many of them in there. I wish I could get to them all, but you have great questions. I did want to let people know, um, you know, people often ask, well, where do I get into these doctors you talk about or that you have on the show? We have a great network of clinics at Hennepin, and, and um, we have newly expanded services in um, – uh, at our St. Anthony Village. So if you're in that part of the metro area, uh, our St. Anthony Village Clinic has newly expanded services. We have cardiologists that come up to, out to Richfield um, and out to Golden Valley. And we have um, specialists that go to the clinics. We have allergists out at the clinics. Um, so lots of different specialists in primary care um, in the western metro, northern and southern suburbs, and, of course, in our downtown office. For more information about any of them, it's hennepinhealthcare.org slash clinics, hennepinhealthcare.org slash clinics. And you can find a clinic or a provider for just about any need you might have. And um, the clinics are nice. Most of them are uh, they're remodeled. They're new. The one in North um, Loop is a great um, one in an old building in the North Loop. The one in the downtown Minneapolis Clinic and Specialty Center is literally Minnesota's most state-of-the-art clinic. I was in our clinic and specialty center, just a little aside, getting a coffee at the at the Dunn Brothers, oh, which yeah. is right in the lobby. You can get full breakfast and lunch at this thing. We have a volunteer who plays – I wish I knew his name. I wish I knew his name now that I brought it up – who plays a grand piano in the clinic. And you're in a clinic, and he's playing the piano. He, um, I th- He's hearing – or sight impaired, and so his dog just sits next to him. It's beautiful. You go into this clinic, and it's just gorgeous to hear the music wafting through this many multi-layered atrium with artwork hanging from the ceiling. It was I thought, wow, this is a nice place to hang out. Too bad I'm at work. <laughs> Too bad you're working. <laughs> Too bad I'm at work. So anyways, hennepinhealthcare.org forward slash clinics. All, right. All right. right. We have some folks waiting on the line. Let's see if we can help them out. Lois is calling from New Hope. Uh, Lois, uh, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Um, this is a follow-up call on the uh, lady that has the leg cramps. Uh-huh. Um, I'm 79. Um, first of all, I think water and fluids have a lot to do with the cramping. And then I do two different types of exercise um, in the morning. I do the pumps uh, when I'm laying flat in the bed. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it isn't like just up and down. You have to work at it and push it down so you can feel 
the, the, the cramping or the muscles. And then right before I get out of bed, then I raise each leg up as far as it'll go, and then I do more pumps until you can feel it. And I haven't had a leg cramp all for forever. I love I've, Lois, I've can you – I'm sorry to interrupt you because I want to get back. You, when you pump the leg, you say you push it down? I push it down and then up as far as – I'm doing it right now. Push the heel down and then the toe down, up, back and forth. But you can't just do it quick like. You have to feel it. Um, I, I like a, it. I have a friend that has cramps every night every night, but she does not drink very much liquid at all. Yeah. So, um, and this is what I've been doing. I'm 79, and I don't have any more leg cramps, and I know what they feel like. They're so bad, they even hurt the next day. From- right. well, what, what, Lois, what I the- love your comments. I love those, and thank you for your call. Um, I like what you started out by saying, Lois said, drink water. I should say that more often as well. You should do that. Parents of infants, you should give your kids water to drink. Children, water. Adults, water. That is the best beverage to drink during the day and most of us probably don't get enough that you know and so i like that stay well hydrated lois's comments are correct um i love that and then i like the idea of her leg exercises pushing her leg her heel down what she what she said the pumps and then lifting her leg straight up those are good um the the more active you can make your ligaments and muscles and joints the more they can be gently stretched back into that's still the best thing to do um a lot of people have often called in with other remedies. Here's a texter that says he's a cyclist and he drinks pickle juice. Mm. So, you know, who am I to say? Maybe, it was that, for leg cramps. maybe that works. Um, people have often said mustard helps. Mm-hmm. I like Lois's things. I think doing yoga. I would do yoga. That's oh, what I would do. Yeah. All right, let's uh, go back to the phones and then we'll pick up on text messages. Uh, Wayne is calling in from Wells. Wayne, go ahead. The doctor's listening. Yes, good morning, doctor. Good morning, Denny. Morning. Hi, Wayne. Uh, Hi, how are you today? I'm great. I hope you are as well. Well, it's cold here too, so. Where's Wells? Wells is, as a crow flies, is in between Elberly and Mankato and probably Blue Earth. Yeah, you've, you've been getting hit with winter just like us. So if you're not from Minnesota, oh. it's in southern Minnesota to the other <laughs> listeners. And the freeways are closed and everything down there. And... Exactly. Yep. <laughs> how can I help you today, Wayne? Well, I was wondering what the big difference between arthritis and carpal tunnel would be. Sure. Carpal tunnel is a nerve problem. So um, stay on the line, Wayne. Um, what it is 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 your the nerve that supplies the the your hand, mostly the pinky finger side hand, and up to like your pointer finger. Um, it gets pinched in your wrist, and it causes a numbness or tingling, usually of your fingers, not your thumb. Usually the fingers. Um, Oh, wait a minute. I got that wrong. It is, it's your fingers on the palmer side of your hand because that's the side. You're, that's what I'm trying to say. The palm side of your hand get kind of numb, and it's usually from repetitive use. Arthritis would be more um, not a numbness but a pain with movement. Are you having any of those symptoms, Wayne? Well, yes. Where I have the pain, uh, doctor, is right from my knuckles to my wrist in both hands, I guess. Yeah, to your wrist. Is it on, So it's on the knuckle side? Yeah, well, it's it's uh, right between the knuckle and the wrist, okay, on the top. Yeah, that doesn't sound so much like carpal tunnel. That's usually more of a numbness feeling, um, and, and it's usually worse when you're not using them. You're able to use your hands, but then 
when you when you rest your hands, you get this pain. The, what you right. that sounds a little bit more like arthritis to me. Do you use yeah. your hands um, for in your daily life um, repetitively in like manual yeah, kind of well, tasks? I have a window business up here, and we're busy, busy, and I, I try to help as much as I can. But sometimes I can't even grip the product and help. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Oh. You know, that could be either way, and I'm having a hard time distinguishing. It could be either. You're right that it's a little bit fuzzy. One thing to do is to um, – carpal tunnel is treated usually kind of conservatively. We put your hands in braces, just Velcro braces. You can get these at the drugstore or at Target, um, and you wear them mostly at night. You, and it just keeps your wrist in a neutral position, a, a straight, not a bent position, and that if you do that every night for weeks and weeks on end, it might get a little bit better. Um, but the best way to tell this is go go to a doctor and get some X-rays of your wrist. Um, it is it is probable that they could see it if you had a, a degenerative arthritis of your wrist. Um, the arthritis will likely get worse as you use your hands, and the carpal tunnel might you might notice it more when you're just lying in bed, literally. But if your carpal tunnel gets bad enough that you can't even hold the equipment, um, that could be signs of nerve damage. So I guess I'm not sure which you have. I'm not sure. Um, uh, but um, I would get plain x-rays of your hands. That will kind of rule out or rule in the arthritis problem. And, I, and then I would, what I would do is just talk to a doctor about your symptoms. There's some simple tests they can do in the clinic to determine which is which. And then the easy thing to do is get these braces at a, at a drugstore and wear them at night. Let's grab a text message before we take a quick break. What do you say? All right. Here's somebody that says, I'm a 69-year-old female with gradual inversion of the breast nipple. What specialist should I see? You should go just to your regular doctor to start out. Um, if you have uh, women or men, I, I would guess as well, but particularly women, if you have the nipple on one of your breasts is going in, it's inverting, that needs to be looked at. It might be a benign process. But it might also be a breast cancer, and, and um, the ducts literally get pulled in a little bit by, uh, by a cancer. There's a disease called Paget's disease, P-A-G-E-T. That's that, that can present that way. It could easily be something not serious, but it is in the realm of possibility that that is something that is more serious. And so go to your primary doctor and get a mammogram um, to that texter. Tell you what, as we head to the break, maybe we could remind, I see what's going to be on the show next week, a very big topic. Uh, Exactly. Let's mention that. Yeah, we're going to talk about gastrointestinal problems with my friend and colleague Aaron Brossom. He's a gastroenterologist. We're going to talk about inflammatory bowel problems, colitis, all those kinds of things. What's the difference between irritable bowel and inflammatory bowel? What's Crohn's disease? What's ulcerative colitis? We're going to talk about all of those kind of non-cancerous bowel problems with a guy who is uh, literally the expert in it. All right. Well, that's next week's show, so just uh, be advised. All right. Let's take this break. It's 12 below zero here in the Twin Cities. What's the wind chill? 30 below. We'll be right back. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. Phone calls and text messages the rest of the way. I know we have a a, a huge amount of uh, text we could field here. All right. I'll hit some text message. Here's one that says... <clears throat> I got a mouthful. Uh, excuse me. I got a full mouth X-ray from my dentist. She observed what she described as plaque buildup in my carotid artery. I'm getting an ultrasound this week. Am I a walking time bomb for a stroke? Uh, no, probably not uh, to this texture. But let me explain what you had when you when you got your mouth X-ray. They just happened to see 
the linings of your carotid arteries had a little calcium and plaque buildup. Um, normally, you can't see blood vessels on an X-ray, but you can kind of tell if there is some some buildup of plaque, which is hardening of the arteries. And so that sounds really scary. Um, however, it requires a really large amount um, to cause any problems in a stroke. Um, more strokes happen for other reasons than than the carotid artery plaque buildup. But that, so I don't think you're a walking time bomb. But what I do think it means is that you do have artery problems and that you should redouble your efforts to to, um, look into your cholesterol. Um, That'd be the number one and two things are blood pressure control and cholesterol. So really make sure your blood pressure is controlled. That's how you're going to reduce your risk of a stroke. Reduce your cholesterol, even if it means taking a a statin medication. Um, Alter your diet to be a healthy diet. Exercise more. Though, and if you smoke, for heaven's sake, stop smoking. That would be that would be the number one thing is stop smoking. So do all of those things. Um, The carotid arteries need to be blocked all the way up to like seventy percent of the artery has to be blocked before it usually starts causing symptoms. And we don't do anything about carotid arteries. Like we don't go in there and clean out that plaque unless that is very severe because the risks of the procedure are worse than the risks of having a stroke. So no, you're not a walking time bomb, but it could be a wake-up call to really pay attention to your cardiovascular health. Okay, here's another one that says, um, I am a 51-year-old male. Both my knees need to be replaced. Am I doing more harm to them by not replacing them? I'm kind of bull-legged. Bull-legged, I'm sorry. Should I wait till I'm older? Thanks. You're not... You're, Your knees are going to get worse. Um, At 51, that's pretty young to have your knees replaced. The reason why is that we'd like to just do it once in your lifetime. And these things can – I know a a person who had them done in their 30s and is doing great. But for the most part, your knees um, are – they wear out. They're like a part in your car. And 20 years from now, you're only going to be 71 which means you got a lot of living left to do. So most people would delay knee replacement. But are they going to get a, get worse? Yes. Uh, your arthritis is going to continue to progress. So I would hold off your surgery until you've exhausted everything else. You've exhausted physical therapy, knee injections, all that kind of stuff. I would do all those for as long as you can. And if your life is just so impaired by pain and you've done all of those things, then you get the knees replaced, even if you're only in your 50s. But if you could push it off a while, that'd be my recommendation. All right, here's somebody who's reminding us that many calcium supplements do include a vitamin D. So I appreciate that. So so earlier in the show, we were talking about it's hard to find a supplement that has them both. But this texter is correcting us, saying they do come with vitamin D and calcium. Here's one that says, my 88-year-old mother is wondering about a VQ scan for her lungs. The test has been offered as one last diagnostic test by her doctor after several other tests um, over the past two years. She has shortness of breath and has been on supplemental oxygen for two years. She's a non-smoker and otherwise fairly healthy. She's wondering about the chemicals that she would have to breathe during the test and the chemicals ingested and also worrying about being put on blood thinners if the rest of her life. I wonder why you'd continue to get a bunch of in- tests on your 88-year-old mother. Um, she's been short of breath for two years, so... Uh, what they're looking for in a VQ scan is a blood clot. And it is possible that she has blood clots. They would be relatively small, 
Because if you had a huge blood clot, you're not going to go for two years with shortness of breath. You're going to have big time right here, right now, shortness of breath and pain. And um, so that sounds a little less likely. But you could have smaller blood clots uh, in, in your lungs. But I think you, all, you do have to decide what are you going to do with the information. Why, why are you getting this test? Um, if, you're, if she's relatively stable, um, it, it's sort of like turning over every stone. But I wonder if this stone needs to be overturned. Um, you're right that she would have to be on blood thinners for the rest of her life. And um, she's done reasonably okay for the last two years. So do you really want to know? I wouldn't worry about the things, the chemicals she has to inhale or be have injected. I wouldn't worry about those. They are very short-lived. They don't have very many known side effects. So I don't think that's the worry. I just think the question about whether you would get more and more and more and more tests on, on, your, on your 88-year-old otherwise stable mother, I, I just question about whether that's really um, necessary. But if you want to literally turn over every single stone, it is one thing that she could have done. But I kind of... I'm I'm sort of hesitant to recommend that she have that done. I think we may have time for another text before. Do we, we have another? Uh, yeah. Here's um, one that said, um, oh, I already read that one, though, so maybe I shouldn't do that again, huh? That's a good, good <laughs> idea. Here's a person. This is a new one um, that came earlier in the show. Recently had a biopsy on my bladder. They say no cancer, but I have chronic inflammatory cystitis. They said no problems with it. Can you explain does it lead to anything else? Should I be concerned? Well, good news that you don't have bladder cancer because that uh, would need to be addressed. People can get chronic inflammatory cystitis or interstitial cystitis. It's often just called bladder pain. It's a chronic painful condition, which is a bit of a bummer. So I'm sorry about that. Um, you can take non-steroidals like Advil, ibuprofen, Motrin. That might help. A lot of people recommend doing um, scheduled voiding, which means urinate on a schedule. You have to go. So your bladder doesn't get too distended. Go every couple of hours as best you can. Uh, some people might suggest acupuncture, which I, which I talked about earlier in the show. A lot of people say wear loose-fitting clothing so you don't squeeze on your bladder. So these are all kind of things you can do to kind of mitigate the pain you might be having. There's nothing you need to do beyond that for that condition. And if you need a primary care doc? Check us out. The number, 612 873 69 63. I say that every week, um, but I'll say it again, 612-873-MY-MD. Or always, you can check us out at hennepinhealthcare.org. And quickly, next week's show is about? We're going to talk about non-cancerous gastrointestinal problems like irritable bowel, inflammatory bowel, Crohn's disease, things that give you tummy problems and stool problems with a gastroenterologist special. That'll be next week. We'll see you then, Dr. All right. Thanks, thanks very week. much. In the Twin Cities, our current temperature reading is 12 below, and I could tell you the uh, wind chill right now is 30 below. Your money is straight ahead. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.